0: Folks, and welcome back to the Sense and Theory podcast. I'm Sense, and I'm Theory. And today we're going to give you a little more information about uh, the fundamentals uh, of our beliefs on government. So we're going to start out with a little bit of talk about uh, the size of government. Uh, we're going to move on. We're going to talk a little bit about the role of government. We're going to get into the Constitution a little bit. So, oh, I'm are... getting
1: so excited over here.
0: <laughs> I know. These are these are pretty heavy topics, but, but they're important topics, I think. Um, and a lot of the things we're going to talk about today are actually things that people haven't thought of since their high school civics class. So um, hopefully we're going to have some fun with it, um, some back and forth. I know we both disagree about uh, some of these fundamentals. We do indeed. So it should be some pretty interesting conversation uh, at the very least. And maybe people will come away with uh, a little bit of understanding about where we come from and maybe uh, a little bit of understanding about the government as well. That's my hope anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, do you want to just go ahead and kick it off here? Um, what, uh, What do you believe about like the size of government, I know that's an issue to you mm. uh, in particular.
1: Um, actually, I am happy to tell you, and, and I would say that uh, you mentioned uh, there that a lot of people haven't thought about this stuff since civics class. Uh, that is not the case for me. This is, this is definitely in my wheelhouse. I love talking about the Constitution and, and uh, you know, the, the inc- intricacies of government and stuff. Um, boring It is, it's, it's boring <laughs> as hell But I like it And damn it, there might be some people out there that like it too So, uh, anyway, uh, to jump right in I uh, Me, I, I like small government, man I, uh, I generally think that, you know, big government uh, has too much going on with it Too much baggage And if I'm given the option, I'm going to skew towards smaller government
0: Why? Why size? I don't understand why why size is an issue. I mean, obviously the government is monolithic. The population has exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, we are far bigger than we have ever been. We're going to continue growing. Um, if government is a good idea, to me, it makes sense that government be big and as big as the population to support such.
1: Well, that's not to say the government is a, is a bad idea um, inherently, but I think I think that even you have to admit that the bigger you get with any system, uh, the more inefficiencies uh, that you'll you'll tend to have, and it gets unwieldy. It gets to the point, uh, you know, where you can't properly oversee it. You're, you you know have the proper oversight, and uh, you know before too long, man, it gets out of hand. And oftentimes, I think it drags us away, uh, maybe from the the principles uh, that we had to begin with. And now you're defending this this big machine. When really it was supposed to be about liberty and stuff. Okay. And it gets you away from the main, the main argument.
0: I can get that. And, and to me, it sounds like you're saying that maybe size is not necessarily the issue here. I mean, I think I can agree that, that an if inefficient system is a failing system. If, if we've created a program to, uh, to achieve a goal... And that goal is is not being achieved for whatever reason, whether it's corruption, uh, whether it's inefficiencies, um, you know, improper planning or just plain idiocy, uh, which is the case in a lot of cases. Then, uh, you know, I could see I could see cutting that program or or slashing that program Mm -hmm. when when we're talking about the government and you say you're an advocate of smaller government. I mean, is this across the board? I mean, should we take should we take Social Security and make it smaller? Mm. Should we should well, think, we slash programs? What? Tell me more about I, what you I, mean. I, well, yeah,
1: I think I think that's that's the problem is that we tend to, uh, when we hear big government, we tend to think in terms of size and, and size alone sometimes. And and as we just said, it has a lot to do with efficiency. So um, when I say that I want uh, a smaller government, I'm saying that. There are there are two main things that I'm wanting to watch for. I want our government to be as efficient as possible as we, we've already discru- discussed and I also want to limit the centralization of power um, because I think that that uh, the more centralized power you have the easier it is to find yourself you know under tyranny power corrupts absolute power, power corrupts, corrupts absolutely Absolutely. So, so what happens is, is that that conversation kind of gets, gets hijacked, and before too long, um, you have uh, people I think uh, they're referred to as uh, anarcho-capitalists, who uh, sometimes I think they put the cart before the horse, and they argue against size for the sake of arguing against size when really and truly yeah man i mean if it's working like i'm i'm not necessarily upset with it if it's uh doing what it can to to limit waste but i do think that there are times where uh you know just the the size of what you're trying to undertake uh there there's just practicalities with dealing with a system that big that that forces you into inefficiency
0: i i think that's true to me, I'm not sure that simply reducing the size is a strategy that works. I mean, in a lot of ways, reducing the size of something uh, means spreading it out across a larger base. So you take a federal program, and we say we want to make it smaller and we hand pieces to states. Um, all of a sudden we are introducing inefficiencies there. For example, with with data collection practices and data analysis, if these are all more effective in a larger system, the more data you have, uh, the more accurate your analysis becomes. Uh, We also get into the point where a lot of times now we've got smaller pieces reinventing the wheel. And maybe you're not talking about breaking it up into smaller pieces Mm. um, and just shrinking it all together. but frankly, I'm not understanding how how size directly relates to efficiency.
1: Well, let me uh, let me go to a point though. So you you brought up data collection, data collection, um, or or creating a, you know a database that like all the states could share in. I I don't really have a problem with that. Uh, you know, with the federal government, it's it's when we
0: get into as long as they're not collecting our porn habits. Is
1: when <laughs> well, I mean, they can. Uh, they can if they want to. That is a long, dark, treacherous road. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, Ted Cruz here's looking at you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, hey, buddy. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. It's uh, the the enforcement, the uh, the regulations. I mean, I feel like we got to a point um, where, as much as I am cool with the EPA existing. Right. The EPA has created so many layers and layers and layers of regulations that, uh, you know, a lot of businesses, it's hard for them to uh, to even begin to cope with it. You've got to have millions of dollars just to understand the EPA. I think that's a very fair point. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's there is a line there. There are things that it can streamline.
0: So just to just to put this out there, do you think that's because of the number of regulations or is that because the regulations are written in such a complex way that the average person involved in a company can't understand them and thus must hire professionals whose sole job is to decode the language. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it's like, you know, legalese and, and only lawyers can mm. speak legalese. So you've got to hire a lawyer to decode it. I'll um,
1: do I'll do you one better. I think it's both. And it's a third thing. I think that it is the mindset that oh, we just a regulation. Like, I think it, it, it is the mindset that we don't go back and we don't say, are we efficiently and effectively using the regulations that we already have? We just create a new one. And that makes us look good because now we've done something about the problem and you know, yes, progress, yes, progress yes, for progress. For rum. but for uh, But, but yeah, so I mean, so let's, uh I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, think about what happened spinning out of 9-11 with the Department of Homeland Security. Okay, so here we have a problem, right, which is that the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, all these intelligence agencies weren't effectively communicating. So, what do we do? Do we A, take them to task, teach them how to communicate more effectively, or do we B, expand government, create a new bureau for them to not be able to communicate with effectively? And then there we go, that and we're left the problem. with the Department of Homeland, and now Security, we have the Department <laughs> of Homeland,
0: Security. the most widely hated addition to government in the history of possibly. America. Absolutely,
1: I, I think they spend something like thirty-four billion dollars just you know bureaucracy, and and so they seal
0: you up at the airport, yeah. <laughs> steal shit out of your bags, absolutely,
1: um, and and for what? And it's and the whole reason is is that perfectly capable agencies that we already had, uh, ha- had a problem. And instead of
0: holding them accountable, we decided to just create something new. So in that context, that makes a lot of sense to me. Now, a lot of times when I hear someone talking about big government, or let's make government smaller, it sounds like the solution to that problem uh, of of departments not communicating is oh well let's get rid of the department, hmm. um, when in truth maybe the reality is more like hey let's not add another department on top to handle this problem that that our government could already handle uh, if they were taken to task. So to me the the label um, big government. Is almost a straw man. Like the problem is not the size of government. From from what I'm hearing, it's it's efficiency, it's corruption, mm-hmm. it's waste. Absolutely. So so part of me feels like this this box of big, big government and and the label get, that gets thrown around in the media and and pundits and newspapers and things um, only serves. As as a straw man for the other side to attack. So I, I think that across the aisle, if, if we reach out across the aisle, I think Democrats and Republicans um, can all agree that efficiency is a good thing. Yeah, I don't think anybody's arguing. I don't think anyone's saying like, hey, let's not make our government more efficient, guys. Like, But you get caught up in, and, and that's something that you know we talked about before
1: in the, the team sport aspect, and you find yourself rapidly. Uh,
0: defending things that that common sense, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't defend to begin with. So when we're talking about efficiency and size, I mean, are, do you see any ways of, of combating these issues without this slash and burn that the Republicans are, are throwing around? Um, yeah, no, I do. I mean, I, although
1: I will say, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it like slash and burn. Like um, there are, people out there who are calling for drastic eliminations of federal programs and stuff. But that's, uh, you know, that, that tends to be more fringe. That's your your Ron Pauls and your, your uh, I think Rick Perry did it a few years back. These guys are Republicans, uh, no? They, I mean, yes, Rick Perry ran as a Republican. Yeah, he was handily trounced. Um, a man couldn't even name the four departments that he wanted to cut. Uh, because he is appealing to a certain base and trying to whip them up into a frenzy, and and they're out there. I mean, there are you know, your uh, your hardcore libertarians and anarcho capitalists, and they they want to immediately get rid of the Department of Education. So wait, and wait, wait, energy wait. And You're you're
0: stuff. telling me that these things that I associate as as mainstream Republican ideals and beliefs. Are not mainstream Republican ideals and beliefs? No, they are. Okay. They are, in a sense, they are
1: things that get discussed. There are loud voices, uh, you know, on the right uh, that would argue to get rid of the Department of Education. But I think that's where you're right, that those people, um, the mainstream of the right, can be reached uh, simply with an argument of efficiency. Like me, for instance. I... You know, I don't necessarily um, like what's been done with the EPA and the Department of Education and Energy, but all of my complaints come back to efficiency. A little bit, uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, with
0: centralization of power and tyranny. But,
1: but really, it, it just comes down to waste and fraud.
0: And I well, think, I, and I think that argument is strong in the case of the Department of Education specifically. And I don't know if you guys, if our listeners out there. Um, are really familiar, but I was having a conversation with a friend um, about education, about Betsy DeVos, about voucher systems, and we sat together and looked at the Department of Education website, and I was very surprised to learn that the Department of Education's powers are very limited. Um, They specifically deal with student loans, uh, grants and programs, and ensuring equal access to education. So on that front, I think we can all agree they failed pretty miserably um, with student loans at the very least. Yeah. Uh, now, grants and programs, sure, we got a lot of people um, getting access there that uh, that might not otherwise. And I don't have a lot of complaints on that front. I know there are some some complaints to be raised. Mm-hmm. Um, but on student loans, they've, they failed miserably. Yeah, now, yeah. is that a problem of size? Is that a problem of... Of idiocy is it uh, is it a failure of efficiency? I think uh, in in the case of the Department of Education, I think sometimes it's it's a problem uh,
1: in the mandate. Um, you know, it's 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 what we set out to do. So, uh, for instance, I can tell you that um, although spending uh, rose uh, between 1970 and 2013, although spending per student rose from fifty seven thousand dollars. To one hundred and sixty-four thousand dollars per each K through twelve student, that test scores remain largely the same. You had that one ready to go. I did have that one. ready
0: to go. <laughs> You had ammo yeah. in the pouch for yeah, me here. Yeah, no, I was ready.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, like, so what are they trying to achieve?
0: What- well, for one, I, you're you're using test scores as a metric, and and to me, that's 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 bollocks. I mean, so what? Test scores didn't improve. We don't know who wrote the test. The tests changed over time. Right. Um, they're, they're testing memorization. Like, is that...
1: These are all valid points, and yet we increase their spending to improve those test scores every year. Touche. Because it is a large government mechanism that's somewhat out of control. It doesn't have the proper oversight. And when you have something that that doesn't have the proper oversight at that level, a little flaw becomes huge really quickly
0: that's that's very true so it's that's an interesting point you've kind of flummoxed me here I'm a, I'm a little flummoxed but um, I would I would reach and say like you mentioned controls where where are the checks and balances supposed to come from within these large systems um, I mean sure we, we check and balance our government um, uh, between the executive and the legislative uh, you know just fine but within within a system, those, those don't seem to exist. I mean, it seems like to me in today's day and age, we should have, uh, in the surveillance, the surveillance day, uh, we should know who sent what emails, um, you know, what they're doing and and hold them accountable. If someone fails at the department of education, we should all know about it. We should be Mm. able to fix that. Why is that not happening? Well, I think, I think, Uh, two reasons. I mean, I think
1: the mechanisms are there, but I think we, we, we just don't use them for one. Um, it's hard to, it's easy to, you know, look at people and say, Hey man, your kids aren't getting the best education that they could possibly get. And people will be like, you know, pitchforks and, and torches and running down the street and everything. But then you look at those same people and you say, Hey, here's the department of education's expenditure reports. And they're like, oh, my eyes are going to glaze oh, over. All right, right, right. Yeah, cool. So, I mean, so that's what you run into as far as like the public. So now there's no pressure on Congress because Congress has, dude. Congress has the uh, the Government Accountability Office. Congress has a mechanism that is supposed to go through and evaluate all these programs, all these departments, and give them efficiency reports. And yeah, I mean, you, again, that that's filled by political appointment. You know, the comptroller of the U.S. is appointed by the president. He he, he lasts for 15 years. So I, I was so, going to say,
0: like, maybe we need to create a department of efficiency. Uh, uh-huh. But you're saying that already exists? Yeah, it's yeah, we have there. one. We have one that audits uh, the very—they
1: they put together reports for the various congressional committees so that Congress knows who's screwing up and who ain't. And then whether or not you do anything about it, Uh, Becomes something else entirely. I'll I'll give you another example: Uh, community block development grants. All right. Do you remember back this
0: spring? Oh boy, yeah. Trump was talking about. uh, I've got friends who are going to be unhappy with me if we go down this road. (laughs) Well,
1: but but wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's go down this road.
0: Trump was talking about
1: earlier this spring about you know eliminating uh, you know Meals on Wheels, right? That's that's what the big argument was. But is it really about? Meals on Wheels, right? It's about the Community Block Development Grant Program, which is so yeah. Okay, so the the I, I'm sorry, the Community Development Block Grant Program. It's uh, got got up in that word soup there, but anyway, it's a, it's a long running um, program inside the, the Department of Housing and Urban Development that funds local community development um, activities such as affordable housing. Anti-poverty programs and infrastructure development, ostensibly. Sounds
0: great. That's the idea. It Sounds absolutely Although, wonderful. Although, wasn't HUD in some trouble not
1: too <laughs> long ago? HUD is, uh, HUD is almost always in trouble. Um, <laughs> Another but, episode, folks. But here to uh, to hone in on the uh, the block development grants. Um, when we when we actually like get into them and look, we find that eight of the top ten highest income counties. Uh, received the CDBG funds, and two out of those eight actually surpassed the national average. Fairfax County in Virginia received more than twice the national average in CDBG funds uh, allocated to cities and counties—about 1.7 million—while sitting comfortably as the second richest county in America, <laughs> what? with a median household income of 103,000. What? In contrast none of the 10 poorest counties in america in terms of median household income received any entitlement cdbg funds from hud in 2012
0: what news are you reading cuz so, <laughs> that seems like front page of any newspaper it type should shit. be like, shouldn't what, it? what? Right. i'm so, flabbergasted exactly
1: I'm <laughs> so the question uh, at least from people who want to get rid of you know the the grants is not about Meals on Wheels, you know. Meals on Wheels is fine. I, I bet if if we got rid of them and then came back and said, "Hey, let's make a law for Meals on Wheels," I'm sure people would be fine with it. But I mean, we got to make sure that we're not feeding the people of Fairfax County.
0: Holy smokes! But,
1: yeah. So we have these institutions, and and the ideas behind them are great, but in some, in, in well, in a lot of cases, it's just not happening that way. So right. what do you do? Do you start, do you start picking it apart, or do you fault someone that says, "Let's just let's just kill it and start," you know, like let's do something for Meals on Wheels, like you know, maybe maybe that's not what you would do. Maybe you would go through and like start, you know, uh, analyzing it and all that good stuff. I mean, but-
0: ideally, if the infrastructure of Meals on Wheels works, and and my grandmother has done some great work for Meals on Wheels locally and fed a lot of people in need. Um, so I know that there's some there's some good there being done. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, the answer is is let's approach these uh, I won't even call it inefficiencies. That seems like outright fraud to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just based on the statistics now we're we're not de- delving into the details, but that sounds like outright fraud and <laughs> abuse. yeah, absolutely so so in a lot of cases, I think across government institutions, That kind of thing probably happens a lot. I think a lot of times subsidies are going to pad the pockets of people who who really don't need to be subsidized. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of these companies, um, and I'm just speaking in generalizations because I'm kind of ignorant to it. Mm -hmm. um, And I think a lot of people are. But but I believe that um, a lot of the big money in government goes to already big moneyed interests so to me you know we need to have a way of checking this and and you're saying we do have an accountability agency that should be now did they uncover this abuse uh i mean
1: the government accountability office uh should know about it this was an independent study that was done by uh, reason.com but you know, hey, wait, journalists are still doing their jobs. Yeah, yeah, journalists some journalists out there are still doing their
0: jobs. I may send reason.com some money after today <laughs> honestly. Yeah. But
1: uh, but like I said, I mean it, it, regardless the 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 GAO should definitely know about it. The the, the congressman should be informed, but the problem is the congressman use this as one of their chief mechanisms for pork barrel spending. The 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 community development grants. So where is the the impetus to go through and start like overhauling the system or overhauling how those work? There There isn't one. So when someone gets up there and says, I just want to slash it, I just want I just want to get rid of it. And and we'll,
0: I get it. I may not always agree, but I get it. Well, this presents a huge problem to me because because I feel like on one side of the aisle, um, having grown up with Democrats. We I say, we, I'm not a Democrat. I cannot, Mm. I cannot self-identify as a Democrat, but people on that side of the aisle like to do good for the common man. And, and not to say that people on the other side of the aisle don't, but that's a big part of the identity of the left, um, of, of the Democrat. A big part of that identity is, is doing good for the common man. So when you have something like, like meals on wheels, which, on its face looks like something that is that is all lovely and, and good and but we don't understand the deeper implications and the and the corruption and the waste behind it when that call comes out to slash it mm-hmm. you go hey yeah you asshole
1: yeah, yeah you
0: can't cut that it's meals on wheels man yeah, like yeah so so how do we get past this? And not that not that we're gonna I have think, the answer, but well,
1: I think I think we have to we have to understand two things. We have to understand that if you're a Democrat and you knew that the ten poorest counties in the country weren't getting any of that money, that trombone, you would feel sick to your stomach. And if you're and, and we also have to understand that if you're a Republican and you find out that somebody in Long Beach, California, starved to death tonight because they couldn't get any food, they're going to feel sick to their stomach. We're having an argument about the best way to approach something. But, but at the same time, like that, that argument has to be had uh, to an extent, like irrespective of emotions. You have to, you have to look at things like practically, you know? So I, we're back I, to I principles. And we are back to principles and first, practicality. I, but No, but here. I'm saying like, you, you can't, um, I can't accuse you. I can't, if, if I'm on the right on this issue, which I, I am, um, I can't accuse the other side of wanting to just frivolously throw money at Fairfax, Virginia, and I'm hoping that they don't think I want anybody to starve. Now, we but can talk the about problem. That, we can talk about making
0: Meals on Wheels the best but program we it can be. Why? But we can't. Why not? Um, because look at look at this issue. Did anyone on either side of the aisle in any position of power in the media go? Look at this statistic. Look at <laughs> look at the great piece of investigative journalism yeah. that reason.com yeah. did. Like no, that's well, not the conversation that was had. Instead, it was Trump wants people to starve. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely.
1: And and we I, it was out there. That's not to say that it wasn't out there, but what happens is sometimes uh, people, you know, they put, they put numbers out and that's, we, we start getting into alternative facts and, <laughs> Oh boy. and, and, oh man, methodologies and studies and stuff. And, uh, yeah, man, what was this gets, a flawed methodology? Hell, I'm is sure there's, I'm, I'm sure there's 70%, uh, or I'm sure there's like some large group of folks out there that just dismissed it out of hat. When I said it was from reason.com reason is a, it leans libertarian. It does. Right. Um, but you know, I think even okay. Let's say, well, I mean, that's that's positive or negative, right? The county got the money or it didn't, right? I mean, you know,
0: there's so. really no t- unless they're just flat out lying. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: So, um, so yeah, man. No, I, I I just think that every that you're right. That is the problem. We couldn't even begin to have that conversation, and that's it. That's the key. We got to. We have to have that conversation,
0: and we have to have it in a in a reasoned in a reasoned way. And and, right. and you say, you know, backing off of emotions, I don't want to say we should be devoid of emotions, but no. um, we must look at issues objectively, especially when it deals with something that is so near and dear to the hearts of, of our of our fellows. Like yeah. when we're talking about a program that keeps people from starving, it is of the utmost importance to me, to ensure that that program is being run within that realm yeah, and only, yeah. you know. It, so wastes and abuses in programs like Meals on Wheels are worse to me than um, than an abuse in al- almost anywhere else. I yeah, mean, yeah. Than in defense spending or, then or something def- like, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. although uh, five hundred dollars per is, is tough but yeah, yeah. <laughs> waste <and> use <laughs> yeah. anywhere is is wasted. so abuse, I think
1: but. I think I think the way we get past it though is bridges right. And what do we identify today is a bridge is efficiency right right. That's that's the conversation. It's not Trump wants to kill anybody, and it's not that. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. But <laughs> that's not the conversation that we as adults should be having. The, the conversation that we as adults should be having. It's about how do we make the most efficient thing that we can? And are we making the most efficient thing that we can that still uh, accomplishes the goals and the high
0: ideals that we want to have? I, I want people to have food, man. I, so I totally do. Speaking you know? of goals and ideals, like what exactly is the role of government to you?
1: Hmm. Well, to me. Uh, government's job is pretty much exactly what it lays out in the declaration it's uh, It's to protect your life and liberty and uh, your pursuit of happiness. Now I think everybody can pretty much agree on that at least I hope we can. We're all Americans um, but it's it's a question of so how far should the government reach to do that? And I think that you could you could put it in terms like this. I don't see it as a role that creates necessarily, but maintains and enables, right? Because originally the idea in the declaration is that these were, you know, natural inalienable rights. And so the government's job is to let you kind of do you. And it's only there to limit obstacles and, and externalities that might block your
0: path. I mean, that sounds great, but what about things like social security, uh, welfare, student loans uh are these overreaches of the federal government um i you know to tell you the truth like uh,
1: according to the the constitution yeah some of them are I, I, i do think that um social security i i don't have a problem with the fact that it exists now and and we're we're figuring out the best way to move forward with it if i would have been alive in 1932 I may have argued against it, because to me, I don't see, um, I don't know if government was the best way to solve that problem, and I don't know if that by having government solve that problem, we didn't create a whole host of others, um, and, and I think, you know, I, you, can, you can say the same thing for like, you know, uh, welfare, state, and, and, and things like that, there are benefits that they do but we're humans
0: though we strive for perfection so anytime we make an advance i feel like we will still find problems and and ways to improve so i'm not sure that that's to say um you know are there better ways of in the world of, of taking care of your aging unable to work citizens are there any countries that are doing it better
1: um i would say there are you know i'm not sure to tell you the truth. I I don't know. I'm not, uh, I know a lot of countries have more, uh, you know, progressive or socialist methods uh, than we do as far as anybody, you know, having less, I'm, I'm, I'm just not real sure, but I will say this, I will say this, could, uh, charity and, um, you know, could we have gotten to that same point simply through charity and, and perhaps, um, Black pouring, people our, pouring our time and effort. Well, you got a good point. But I'll also say that if we want to jump to that real quick, how hard has the welfare state devastated black communities over the last 40 years? Wow. And are we perfecting it and making it better? Now, that's something we can debate. But not on this episode. Work, not on this episode. <laughs> but I, I would say that a lot of times, like the welfare state or like Social Security, once it exists, it exists. There's no there's no going back after that because who wants to look at mamaw and say, sure, you're going to starve. So you have to exhaust all options before you go that route.
0: I also I like to think that the government should ensure that people don't get just chewed up and and spit out. I mean, we're not a third world country. Um, Labor laws, pollution regulation. Um, We're not in Beijing. We can walk outside without a breathing mask. Uh, and to me, that's partially, if not mostly, due to a system of of federal regulations. I mean, mm-hmm. w- what about national parks? No, and actually,
1: I, I would one of uh, I would say maybe the strongest argument that I heard you just drop out there is labor laws, like child labor laws. Child labor laws were obviously very important, and I'm not sure if we would have moved away from some of the barbaric. Um, you know labor practices that we had going on at the turn nine year olds in century. coal mines. Nine I mean. years, yeah, and and oh, not to mention uh, uh, even even bumping it up to like women working in factories where, you know, old Betsy got her hand cut off, and that's just how Tuesday went at work. You know, so but I think it's more of a mind state thing because I think there are times I will concede that you know the government needs to step in and and stuff like that, but I want to continuously watch it closely and analyze it and make sure that we are um to put it one way you know setting the stage for the play instead of writing the script because at the end of the day in america we you know one of our core beliefs or some of our core beliefs to me is about individualism and freedom and you being able to go
0: out there and achieve
1: and produce and
0: without make the world your
1: own yeah exactly exactly
0: yeah I, i tend to agree i mean we want to be the authors of our own destiny. However, um, when over a quarter billion authors are writing on the same page, like we need some rules and we need some frameworks to make it work. And to me, like that's what the government is doing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, um, it definitely, it definitely does a framework. You're absolutely right. Like for instance, the constitution and the bill of rights are, a framework it's when we start to take them farther than that um, if you if you look at the Constitution I think bare bones it, it lays out a, a perfectly fine system of government has its flaws in places <laughs> but the building blocks are there and that's because the values are there the values of checks and balances are there sure now maybe in today's age we need to strengthen this or we need to weaken that but obviously we believe in a place where there is not a monolithic, all powerful entity sure, that is sure. dictating to you, you know, so the framework, the, yeah, the framework is there, I think.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, you know, the values of the constitution, the bill of rights, these are things, um, that have all kind of been hammered into us since, since the beginning. Um, but honestly, I bet that most people haven't even read the constitution nor the bill of rights, uh, maybe since sixth grade, maybe never in their lives. <laughs> that is that is absolutely a shame. Um and 'cause cause I think
1: I mean I think it's uh I, I get dorky about the constitution, man. I really do, man. Just it's, just it's, about the Constitution. this man's wearing
0: a Hal Jordan shirt. Yeah. I don't know if y'all know who get, Hal Jordan is. This is Green Lantern. Yeah. And uh Green Lantern is it, Green Lantern is jumping in the Jordan shape. I actually uh fantastic it's it's nerd swag uh i get
1: dorky about a lot of things if that'll make you (laughs) happy thanks for but uh but no yeah no man i get i get really passionate about the constitution and the bill of rights because i think um it's it's just a grand and beautiful idea like it was it was the constitution and the bill of rights are where you take um the idea of a you know a republic and you square it we don't we you know we don't we don't support the tyranny of a mob and we don't support the tyranny of of an oligarchy. Now those things happen sometimes. You know we lose our way, sure. but we can always come back to the Constitution for guidance. In my opinion, we can always come back to the Bill of Rights and say, is for is, guidance, is, maybe not specifics, <laughs> yeah, maybe not specifics, I mean, but is 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 you know you sit there and you say, well, what do we believe? Well, that's what we believe in, you know, right. And uh, and and the beauty of it is is the fact that that we can change it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. you can you can change the Constitution. You can go through and you can amend it. So, for instance, when the Constitution came into being, uh, it said that, uh, you know, black people weren't uh, an entire person. They were three fifths of a person. Wait, wait. It actually said that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, For the purposes (laughs) of determining uh, representatives, um, you know, determining how many representatives a state got when you were counting the population. Uh, African Americans only counted for three fifths
0: of one person. Man, I can't believe I'm showing my ignorance here. I hope there's <laughs> someone out there who was like, "Oh, I didn't know that." Too. <laughs> yeah, no. Otherwise, was, uh... I am literally the dumbest guy in like what 20 rooms. We <laughs> got about 20 <laughs> listeners right now. <laughs> no, that
1: was the that was the gross absurd way um, that they found to compromise uh, the southern states and the northern states at the time of the Constitution, because you know the southern states obviously wanted to count all the slaves, and the northern states were like. Well, I mean, it's not like you treat them like citizens, they're property, and you know there was this argument because then the southern states would have had more power and, right, and so, so they came out with the three fifths thing, but we we fixed it. no, it wasn't perfect, right, so it's, it's a not,
0: framework and and it's and it's groundwork, but uh sometimes you gotta shore up the angles and absolutely and change absolutely. things and make things better, bring it into modernity now that's
1: know. that's not to say that, in my opinion, sometimes we get carried away with how we and for instance, I we're talking
0: about like activist judges here. Like,
1: uh, yeah, we are talking about the idea that the Constitution like writing law within the court The system? Constitution is a living document that is subject to uh, you know the whims of whoever is sitting on the bench. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that.
0: Um, so me, me neither. But when you talk about some of the specific clauses here, mm-hmm. um. It gets it gets pretty shaky i mean you've got to uh you got to interpret things i mean i'd like to uh just read these folks the, the commerce clause here uh the congress shall have power to regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states and with the indian tribes so i mean this is the framework we're talking about not only are is Indian tribes incredibly offensive to some people and, and still right there in in plain English, but how much more vague could we get? Yeah,
1: no, it is very vague and it's been stretched. The commerce clause has been stretched to death. Uh, we get some of the most awful and gross stuff that the government's done is we slid through on the commerce clause. Well, you know, uh, the, the Congress has the power to, uh, you know, regulate the navigation of a river, uh, because that's, uh, going to eventually come into play with commerce, maybe. Right. So, yeah, no, I mean, it, uh, they definitely, there have been times where the, the vagueness of the constitution needs to be sharpened down. But again, I say, I don't know about judges doing that on the whim, especially since they're not elected. If we're yes, talking about you've got an appointed judge yeah, yeah, not yeah.
0: necessarily representing the will of the people. There. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think that
1: power rests with us and the legislature. And so the legislature should pass laws and 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 we should, you know, advocate for amendments and stuff like that, Um, because I'll tell you what happens. Like if you look at especially with the Supreme Court, if you look at, the, for instance, the the Dred Scott decision or Plessy versus Ferguson in Dred Scott, you have a judge who was sitting up there on the bench and he decided that his interpretation of the constitution was that, uh, black people aren't human. I mean, he said that, he said that black people, uh, according to the constitution didn't qualify, uh, you know, to be citizens ever. So they had no jurisdiction, to you know sue Dred Scott had brought a lawsuit against his master in wow. court. Yeah. And there's there's really no there's no basis in in I mean, okay, look at the I just brought up the three fifths uh compromise, right? Well that's still three I mean that that doesn't say that they're not human. I mean it may say <laughs> that they only count as three fifths of a person. So what which was is was bad,
0: but what was his basis for this decision that they that they he weren't
1: human? he cited he cited various uh, Well, you know, they were slaves, right? So he called them property. And so if if you're property, then that means that uh, the, the master, the slave master that Dred Scott was suing, that by taking Dred Scott from him, the government was violating his due process. And he said that, you know, they were... They were always treated as slaves, and yada, ah, because yada, yada. his
0: property was protected by the Constitution. Because his property was protected right? by the Constitution. I, I, I so yeah, see he The can, argument's it's outrageous. Yeah, I mean, no, he
1: can, he can, he can cheat and try to act like he's you know doing this strict reading of the Constitution. But at the same time, uh, if if we had no qualms with black people being in slavery, then why is in the Constitution there is a definitive end date to the slave trade? Why did you know the Congress pass laws? Uh, the, the moment that the slave trade ended, uh, by the the I think it was 1809. Uh, the moment that that happened, Congress passed a law that said if you if you're engaged in the foreign slave trade, that is piracy. Wow. Um, yeah. At the time that the Constitution was ratified, five states allowed black people to
0: vote. So the, the, so, so there's no argument to be made. So that, yeah. So that he's black he's, people are not
1: humans. Right. So he's he's. Just basically, he's interpreting it and going off what he what he wanted, and that happens a lot. I think that that happens a ton, and I think I, I get where people are coming from. Like, you know, for instance, recently with with gay marriage and everything, with DOMA and Prop Eight and stuff. Sometimes we want, you know, a certain a certain verdict, or we want to stand up for a certain thing, and that's fine, and I get it but we need to go through the proper channels because if we don't use a, a immutable source, like if we don't use the constitution as a set document to base our decisions off, then it's the whim. It's somebody like Roger Taney
0: is, is that a lot of things have changed since we've, since the document was written. I mean, let's take the, 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 the well-regulated militia. We all know it's one of the hot, hot debates of, uh, Mm -hmm. of our time right now. Um, Back then, well-regulated had nothing to do with congressional regulations. This was not; the term regulation did not mean a rule. Right. right. Um, well-regulated was something that your watch was. Uh, it kept good time. It, yeah. it worked well. Good so, working order. So, and and not to get in, <laughs> into a gun debate right now, <laughs> yeah. which. We will eventually. All these um, episodes are coming. Up. Yeah, all, all these episodes are coming, folks. But not to get deep into that debate, but just to say that the language has changed. Languages are living as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the word bad, mm-hmm. y- you know, <laughs> well, you, in the uh, 80s. Um, uh, one of the
1: issues is cruel and unusual punishment. Like, so cruel and unusual punishment was a little bit different in 1789 when we were beating people in public squares uh, than it is now. But we, we still, even though you're right in that respect, and that is something that I think we should um, definitely review in the Constitution with constitutional amendments, I still say that we can find um, the principles uh, you know, within the document and, and out and, and, and grab a hold of them and use them to interpret law without uh, not, and still stay true. To the document, so for instance, let me let me give you an example. Um, Brown versus Board of Education is one of the best and yet also most controversial uh, decisions that the Supreme Court's made, and it's not controversial because anybody you know wants to return to segregation or anything, but it was the justification that the court used in order to make the decision. Basically, Earl Warren said, you know. We live in a in a modern era uh, we're past that separate but but equal is not equal to us anymore. right. and that's a that's me grossly simplifying, but that's basically what he said. Um, however, nowadays we find that there are people who agree with the Brown decision, but agree because the decision that it repealed, which was Plessy versus Ferguson, um was wrongly
0: decided to begin with. And um, can you can you kind of give us uh, some insight into all this? Because honestly, yeah. uh, again, I, I'm I'm a high school dropout, <laughs> no, and no, no. Uh, I don't find any of this nearly as fascinating as yeah. you do. Oh no! Wait till we talk about Starry Decisis. St- starry eyed? What? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Vince okay. <laughs> all right. All so right. Plessy versus Ferguson uh, uh, for the simpletons okay. among us.
1: So uh, Plessy versus Ferguson, you have a, uh, a gentleman who wants to. Uh, who buys a ticket to ride on a train and he's asked to move to another car because he was black. And so he sues and it goes to the Supreme Court. Now the Supreme Court decided that when they looked at the uh, 13th and 14th Amendments, uh, the 13th would be the amendment that abolished slavery and the 14th is the one that guarantees equal protection under the law, that it did not expressly say that... um, Equal protection on the law, like the, the separate but equal, wasn't equal, right? Right. But but they used they used a further justification, and that's <laughs> that's that's where we start running into a problem. The court said in its decision that the established usages, customs, and traditions of the people, and with a view to the promotion of their comfort and the preservation of the public peace and good order we cannot say that a law which authorizes or even requires the separation of the two races in public conveyances is unreasonable.
0: What? So basically they're saying that, that if you look at the customs and practices of the time, like it's, it's totally cool because people are accustomed to uh, the separation.
1: Yeah. But, but that's what I'm saying. See, like if you look at the actual document, you, you have your answer. The 13th amendment, abolish slavery it said that these people who we formerly enslaved are no they you you can't do that to them that you know they're people right. the 14th amendment says that everyone is guaranteed equal protection under the law so for you to have a separation for you to say that yeah we're going to make things equal but you know we're we're going to keep it separate why are you keeping it separate Because you said those people are just as good as you or I are. Right. So what is your basis for the separation? And so we see the court try to pass it off as, again, as an originalist interpretation. Well, you know, it didn't specifically say that separate but equal, uh, you know, wasn't okay. Uh, No, no, it did. It did. It's it's just you chose not to read it. You chose to read what was going on in the world today. So... You can, so again, so that brings us back to Brown versus Board of Education, right? He, Earl Warren, said that, you know, we can't go back to 1896 or, you know, to this year when the amendment was written. And, yeah, man, we can. I mean, it's 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 right there, dude. I mean, you know, to sit there and say that we have to judge it by, you know, modern conventions and stuff, If if it's something that requires modern conventions, then let's go to an amendment. Let's go to legislation. Judge, all I need you to do is read and interpret the law as it sits.
0: Right. You know what I mean? And and this is where, to me, and, and sorry, you're like way above my head here. On all, <laughs> I can't believe you can remember like court cases and dates. I told you I'm super into it. <laughs> um, cr- craziness to me. But it brings me to something I've always had a problem with with the judicial system, Um is this idea of of precedent and and a judge can hear a case make a decision and that decision stands as as a statement to the constitution right i mean there there is this idea that a court judgment can essentially amend the constitution right yeah
1: absolutely i mean that's that's the That's basically the process of judicial review. You know, the court gets to say whether or not this is constitutional, and that can have, even though you're establishing, you know, you're saying that this is unconstitutional, that can have like positive effects. So, for instance, uh, you had mentioned the Commerce Clause earlier, and if we use, uh, if we say that Congress has the ability to uh, regulate any sort of business that happens to, to take place across state lines, well then that is our basis for obamacare right there now now did hmm. does the constitution really give congress that power you know that's something that we can talk about in debate
0: but supposedly it's already settled cuz the court said and and i think if you ask the average person should an unelected hmm. appointed supreme court judge have the power to rule over the constitution. I think the answer is going to be no. Yeah. yeah. Nine times out of 10. Well, you know, interestingly
1: enough, they did not have that power to begin with. It was, it was actually, there's a case called Marbury versus Madison prior to that case. I mean, because judicial review itself isn't really in the constitution. Now I I will admit that that is more of a, uh, a point of interest because at this point, We have over 200 years of case law (laughs) that rests on judicial review to undo, you know, that'd be that'd be insane. But fair enough. Yeah. No, the, the framers themselves, they saw a problem with that. So now that that's happened, right, that happened. The cat's out of the bag. Now, that's when it's time for us to say, so should these unelected people have this power? Do we need an amendment? Do we need mm-hmm. to pass other laws to to maybe fix that up because Heck, it didn't
0: work out the way they, they want maybe we should change the way that uh that judges are appointed maybe we hand the power to Congress maybe mm-hmm. we hand the power to the people and um you know possibly elect them with a vote even
1: yeah no I would uh, I think yeah, I think one of the problems uh you'll see now like how um like polarized the court is. I mean, we you know we talk about how everybody you know how the people are polarized. Look at the court. The court rests on Anthony Kennedy. Straight up, he's he's one. Okay, there, so there's nine Supreme Court justices. There's a man named Anthony Kennedy. He is the swing vote. Some days he feels like a Democrat. Some days he don't. And uh I I hate almond joy. I don't I don't know why I did that. But anyway, <laughs> but. <laughs> But no, but it, I mean it all comes down to Anthony Kennedy, and uh, that man is—I mean, he is—and that's because—and right
0: that's because four justices side on the right, mm-hmm. and four justices side on the left on just about every single issue. That's
1: what happens when you have a president appointing—you uh, know—a Supreme Court justice for a life term. By the way. And, and yes, the Senate has oversight and everything, but, and there have been times where the Senate has blocked Supreme court nominees, but I think it's getting increasingly harder because we increasingly see the president is being elected with, you know, the will of the people, the mandate of the people. And, you know, oftentimes they'll, they'll make an appointment and the Senate will be like, uh, you know, we don't like this person. And they'll be like, well, you, you don't like the people's choice, right. you know? So I think maybe if
0: we just gave it to Congress anyway, um. Then oh, it can, the entire thing could happen in Congress. More things on Congress's plate. to I throw in the trash instead of eating for dinner. Like
1: I think. I think a ton of things should be on Congress's plate. But you, but no, you've got a point. Congress drops the ball, uh, repeatedly. But
0: pass a budget.
1: But I say, <clears throat> I say that's what that's what we got to fix, man. We got to figure out a way to fix you know the le- legislature and get the legislature to stop neutering itself by by allowing the supreme court you know to to make these decisions and stuff and then and then that's it the supreme court makes a decision and okay well we're not going to come back to that right know.
0: and and it's and it's no good and, and, and people don't read case law i mean yeah. I am not going to sit through case law. And as soon as you start talking about it, my eyes are going to glaze over. And mm-hmm. I'm probably going to pass out after five minutes like everyone did when they started listening to today's episode. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's heavy stuff. It's yeah, not... I
1: nodded off there in, in, in the middle for a little bit. <laughs> it's, yeah.
0: not, it's not average conversation. So I think we can all agree that the judiciary should not be modifying the Constitution, um, at the very least. Didn't
1: – we... I I just realized something. As the Sense and Theory podcast, are we formally suggesting a a constitutional amendment here?
0: It's 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 quite possible. Could that, we? that
1: that from here on out, Supreme Court justices will be appointed by the Senate, or you want to do the whole the whole Congress?
0: Uh, let's make it big, man. The, the whole Congress. Congress? Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, there it is, folks. Uh, the Sense and Theory podcast have officially proposed an amendment to the Constitution, so talk about it. Uh, Tell your friends why it's a really stupid idea or why it's a really great idea and start talking about changing this document to make it what we want instead of letting Anthony Kennedy do it.
0: That's probably- If your hope rests on Anthony Kennedy (laughs) and only Anthony Kennedy, then that's indicative of a problem in the system. Let's change it, folks. Let's change it. So we're hitting about an hour. Um, time to wrap it up. I realize maybe we didn't go as deep into some of these topics uh, as we wanted to. But let's be honest, man. There's just not enough time in a day. Hey. Uh, there's not enough time in your drive home from work. So.
1: But it's an ongoing podcast, and all these people love us. And they will continue to come back and hear all these wonderful episodes. I'm That's sure, right. That's right.
0: After they wake up from this one. so we'll just wrap it up real quick Uh, wanted to say one last thing to you fine folks I uh, I really like Taylor Swift T-Swizzy y'all
1: folks is theory of the sense and theory podcast just wanted to take a second to thank you for continuing to listen and support the show we really appreciate it it means the world to us uh, if you get a chance please go to itunes leave us a review uh, like us uh, you know it really helps a podcast uh, take off and uh you know get at us on the uh, social media facebook instagram twitter we're at all the usual places we'd love to hear from you uh, feel free to email us at uh show ideas suggestions critiques uh, condemnations it's all good send it our way uh we'll see you next week